You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. It's good to be back. Talking about discipleship. Men have uh, theology and tap, the poker night. The women have a Bible study. It's good to see RCC is just where we usually are. All right. We are moving into a season of discipleship, not because it was something that we said, hey, this is the next thing that you do as a church, but we feel like God's spoken to us about this, and we're excited about it. Um, We canceled the life course, actually, as a result of what we feel like God's doing in our church right now, and if you know me, you know that I love the life course. We had three life courses last year, and I absolutely, I mean, I love it. I love the life course, but more than the life course, I love being where God in the midst of where God's moving. And, and God is moving right now in this area of discipleship in our church, and I'm super excited about it. And, um, you know, you hear stories um, like Martha gave today about massive healing, emotionally, physically, spiritually, people coming off crack, physical healing, where people, I mean, it's amazing. You hear that, and, and I, I'm like, I want her to come pray in my neighborhood, you know, she needs go by the Fowler home, and we need prayer there. Because, I mean, there's nothing more exciting, nothing more powerful than when God moves and changes life. I mean, that's just amazing. And that's really the journey of discipleship. I mean, that's what discipleship is. Discipleship, you know, just briefly defined, is when we grow in the character of Christ— Meaning that internally we are transforming and we are starting to think like Jesus. We're starting to emotionally respond to people like Jesus responds. And so that's an internal transformation or what the Bible would call, those are the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, yada, 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 yada. In Galatians, it talks about those right there, 522. And so that's one of the, that's part of discipleship, becoming like Jesus internally and in our character, we're loving more. We have more peace, we have more rest. But then there's also a dimension of external ministry that we reflect when we're becoming like Jesus as well. And we become, and we start doing the things that Jesus did. You'll go and do the things that I did. So we evangelize, we teach, we preach, we lay hands on people, we cast out demons, we pray. So those are external factors. So it's the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. When we become more like Jesus, we begin to reflect these things. Internally, we reflect them, and then externally, we reflect them as well. And that's what being a disciple of Jesus is. But many of us, When we think of discipleship, if you're like me, especially if you've grown up in the evangelical church, you think, I literally thought this as I was preparing this lesson, I thought, discipleship, oh, look at that word right in the beginning of it, discipline. That's what discipleship is. I remember those days as a kid with Sunday school, showing up, not knowing the answers. They asked me Jesus questions or big obvious ones about Jericho or Adam and Eve, and I'd be the kid in the class that didn't know them. I'd feel horrible about knowing them. I'd feel guilty about knowing them. And oh, there's always just smart little kids in the class that would know all the answers, and I would never know the answers. And, and I kind of, like, I began to associate at an early age, oh, that's kind of like what it means to grow in my relationship with Jesus. It's like school. If you think about it, we treat discipleship, when we hear about discipleship, we hear about discipline in our lives. We, we think of Jesus kind of the front of the class, the church classroom, teaching us all the things that we know we're supposed to do, but we don't really want to do. 
And we begin to associate this negative connotation with discipleship very early on in our life. And there's tests, and we know that those tests are going to be difficult, and there's going to be that little kid, just like in Sunday school, they're going to know the answers, and Jesus is waiting for me to mess up, and, and I'm going to be graded, and I'm probably going to fail, and because I'm a failure, God really doesn't love me, and, and the, you know, we can, just, we can all kind of relate to that, I think, when it comes to thinking about growing to be like Jesus. And, and you throw into that suffering, and we really don't want to do it because we believe, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're really a Christian, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Jesus made you. He's going to make you suffer. And you're going to, supposed to like it. So you've got to fake it to everyone like you like suffering. So, and so we have, again, these are just all ideas that I'm going to get rid of today because they're, they are the farthest thing from the truth. Now, I'm going to talk about discipline. My wife said, if you do a talk in discipleship again and tell us it's all about feeling God's love, I'm going to shoot you from the front row or whatever, because it, it does involve discipline. Following Jesus, becoming like Jesus absolutely involves discipline. But, and I said this on Facebook last night, discipline is not the primary or what is central to discipleship. And I started praying and thinking, I said, well, what really is discipleship? When we look at scripture, when we look at how Jesus engages culture, or we look at his first disciples, what do we really see? And what I see is that discipleship is an invitation from Jesus to experience a deeper relationship with Jesus. Discipleship is an invitation from Jesus to experience a deeper relationship with Jesus. And the way that he accomplishes that deeper relationship is first by calling us to himself, intimacy, growing with him. Secondly, calling us to love, serve, and live with other believers in the community of faith. And then thirdly, by sending us into the world to love the world as he loved the world. But all of which, at its core, have and is grounded in this reality that they all exist being in the world, being in community, being in love with Jesus, all have at the foundation or at the root or at the core of Jesus' purpose is a deeper relationship with him. Discipleship, if you leave today and hear nothing else, hear this. Discipleship is an invitation from Jesus to you, asking you, do you want more life? Do you want a deeper relationship with me? Jesus and John says, if you come and follow me, I will give you life to the full. And life to the full comes out of the context of trusting him, experiencing his love for us, trusting him to lead us into relationship with other people and then sending us into the world. All the while learning to trust and love and follow, and become more like him. And so the question that you have to answer is you hear David say, come on Wednesday night, we want you to be on this journey of discipleship with us. The question you need to answer is this, do I want more life? Do I want to experience more love, more joy, more peace, more rest, more excitement, more adventure? Do I want to learn to follow Christ in a way that 
makes me depend on him more, that's exciting, that is life to the full. Do I want that? Or if you're like me and you're spiritually mature and you don't need any of that, then you can stay at home. No, I'm just kidding. Come on, River City, for the love of all that is holy. Laugh at my jokes. It's my first time back. Even if I say crap, it's not funny. Laugh. But <laughs> the token after laughs are not necessary, though. <laughs> but that was a good one right there, all right? But that's, what, that's the question. That's the invitation of discipleship is do you want more of me? Do you want more life? Do you want more to, of, of all of these things that I've, I've said I've come to offer you? Do you want a deeper relationship with me? Now, will this require discipline? Will it take hard work? Will Jesus ask you to sacrifice? Will he cause you to suffer? Yes. Jesus will cause you to suffer. Jesus will cause you to make sacrifices. Jesus will put you in situations where you will have to die to your desires, what you want, and choose him. But the reason he's doing it isn't because he's a killjoy or because he wants to cause you to suffer or because he wants you to struggle. The reason he's doing it is because he wants you to find life in him. He wants you to go deeper with him. He wants you to trust him more. And this is what's crazy is that in the midst of suffering or sacrifice or brokenness or whatever, wherever we find ourselves, you will find life. You will find life to the full. God will use all of those things. Jesus will use all of those things. Relationships with other people, sending us into the world, intimacy with himself, and all of our emotions, all of who we are. He'll use all of those things for the purpose, though, of bringing us into a closer relationship with him. That's his promise. All of those things are his promise. You know, we hear, first of all, again, if it's threefold, and I'm going to unpack these over the next few weeks, I'm just going to touch on each of them. If it's threefold, you hear, we hear Sabrina's testimony today about, I feel like God is wooing me. Holy cow. She was using language of a lover, being wooed by a lover into a relationship and experiencing a level of intimacy just in the midst of her craziness, in the midst of chaos, aggravation. She said, I feel like God is wooing me. My heart and my love, I just, I have this love for him that I can't explain. It's just out of nowhere. I don't know what's happened. He's just after me. That's the foundation of discipleship. That's, that is the first level. That's where we always have to come back to. That is the, 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 the river, of the deep river that we get all of life from is our intimacy with Jesus. It's only out of intimacy with Jesus, relationship with Jesus, understanding Jesus' love for us, the Father's love for us, that we can obey his commands, that we, we will be willing to suffer for him. It says this in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we, how do we read that? If you're a good Christian, then you're gonna do everything that I tell you to do. 
And if you're a bad Christian and you really don't love God, or you're kind of like that kid at Sunday school, you know, then you obviously don't really love me. Because if you love me, you would obey me. But that's not what that says. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying in this passage, only in loving me will you be able to obey me. The only way your life will reflect my commands, the only way you will be able to obey me is if you love me, is if you have experienced and you know the love I have for you. You hear Sabrina's testimony about being wooed by Jesus. This lover she has, she, he asked her to do anything, I'm sure she would do it. As would we, having experienced that kind of love. Discipleship is first about knowing Jesus. Loving Jesus and experiencing the life that Jesus has for us. In 1 John 2, 6 it says, Whoever says he abides in him who ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. Meaning that if we are abiding in Christ, we will walk the way that he walked. If we're abiding in him, our response to other people, to his commands, and to the world will be consistent with the way that Jesus responded to the Father's call in his life, his commands, his call to the disciples and intimacy of relationship, and his call to the world. But it begins, discipleship begins with knowing and loving Jesus. And I'll talk about that in the next few weeks. The second thing, the second way that we grow as a disciple, again, at the root of this is a deeper relationship with Jesus. But Jesus knows that in order for us to grow with him, he's gonna throw us in the, he's gonna throw us in a relationship with other people. First, other believers in the church because we're supposed to be easier on each other. We're supposed to be nicer than every, we're supposed to be kinder than the world, gracious, more gracious than the world, more forgiving than the world. And so Jesus says, if you're gonna work out your faith, if you're going to become more like me in character and how you operate in the world or and you operate in the gifts, the way I'm going to work that out is going to be in relationship with other believers or other followers of me. That's going to be the way that he does it. But that's, that's again, that's not his goal is for us to be in a small group. His goal is for us to love him more, depend on him more, and trust him more. But he knows that to get us, to get our hearts to the right place, he's going to use other people that are going to drive us crazy, basically, is his plan. He's going to put you with people that drive you crazy, that you're called to love, and he is going to work out your salvation and relationship with other people that are different from you. I mean, that's the way he does it with me. Poor Laura, that's the way he's done it with her. <laughs> and we're forced to trust Jesus more. We're forced to love Jesus more. We're forced to sacrifice our desires in a way that says, I want your life, Lord. I want more life. I'll trust you. Even though it's hard, I'll trust you. I met someone this week in a coffee shop, someone that speaks at RCC, and uh, he, uh, he, he, every once in a while, and he's, a, he's a very gifted teacher, and he was telling me how he's been traveling like three or four weeks a month, 
and how it's killing him, how he hates it, how he's been praying for it to change. And finally, they've asked him, this company's asked him to open a new business in Jacksonville. He's not going to travel anymore. I go, well, why has it been, you know, I, I love to travel. And he says, he goes, man, it's been so hard because normally in my relationship with God, I've gotten by on ministry experiences, like praying for people on the street or praying for the lost or, uh, you know, like crazy God experiences kind of keep me going. Or what keeps me going, it's like teaching and stuff or preaching or whatever. He goes, but what, what's happened and being absent from community or being, being, having traveling, traveled so much, he goes, people around me at RCC have been going through stuff. And I haven't been able to be here to walk with them through it. I haven't been able to be around to kind of just comfort them and listen to them and just walk with them through these times of their life where they're really suffering. And I, and I thought about that. And I thought, what's, what is it? At the, what's Jesus getting at in his life? Is he, is he, is he you know, because that's not normal, is it? It's not normal for you to be like, oh, I want to suffer with you. That's not, I mean, that's not for me. I do it because you pay me. But I mean, it's not normal for us, is it? None of us would choose to suffer. We'd rather go watch football. No, we'd rather go to Ardwolf. We'd rather go to Bowlby. We'd rather do, the, we'd rather hang out. We'd rather go swimming. We'd rather go to the beach. None of us would, our flesh would never choose to suffer with someone. So Jesus is obviously doing something in his heart. He said, it was, this was new. I'm not used to this. I'm used to these things kind of propelling me in my relationship with God. Do you think Jesus is like, yep, it's time for you to suffer. It's time in our relationship for you to start sacrificing for me. I want you to suffer. No, that's not, that's not how Jesus works. That's not how he thinks. That's not how Jesus wants the best for us. He loves when we go to the beach. He loves when we hang out with each other. He loves when we find pleasure in his creation and relationships. But God's after something in this person's heart that he know will only be discovered, will only be unpacked and revealed and come to life as he moves alongside of people and suffers with them. Maybe it's, you know, love, joy, peace. Love. Maybe he's creating compassion for other people that he's never had before. An empathy that never existed before. And he, he knows that for him to, be, to reflect the character of Jesus, the only way that he's going to get at that piece of his heart is by pulling him alongside of friends that are suffering. And he wants him to walk with them through that. He's already changed his desires, his heart. Again, because we, I, we just said that's not normal. But what Jesus is after is not that he suffers. It's that he's choosing a deeper life a deeper trust with Jesus. He's wanting Jesus to transform him. He's saying, I'm a, I want life to the full. Jesus changes part of my heart. I want to stop traveling so I can be with people who are suffering, my friends. But at the heart of Christ is a, des, is a desire for a deeper relationship with this individual. That's what drives relationship. That's the purpose of relationship. Relationship serves relationship with Jesus. And again, I'm going to unpack more of this, but this is a classic example. I'm just going to read a piece of scripture right here that will be familiar to some of you. It's the early church after Jesus has ascended. The Holy Spirit's come, and this is going on in the early church. And we read this normally and say, this is what every church should be doing. These are the, these are the elements that should exist in a church to make disciples. Because look, these are the acts of the apostles, the early believers. And this is Acts 2, starting with verse 40, 42, and it says this. 
And they, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all any, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, normally when you read this passage, where do you look to when you think about being a disciple? You look to, well, what did they do? Well, they had the apostles' teaching, they had fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Let's do those things so we can be a disciple. That's how we look at this. But I say, no, that's not what you look to to see the purpose that Jesus is getting after when he talks about discipleship. All came upon every soul. When was the last time you were awed by God's love for you? When was the last time you were awed by his power, by his presence? When was the last time he did something in your life and you just fell on, face down on the floor and were like, oh my word, you are amazing. That's the experience of a disciple. We look further. They had glad and generous hearts. That's what separates us from the world. Our generosity, the way we give ourselves away. They were so excited about experiencing God, knowing God's love for them. They were selling everything. 5%, 2%, 10%. They were selling 100% and giving it to people as they needed it. That's craziness. That's a disciple. You don't behave that way unless you're experiencing a deep relationship with Jesus. And then it says praising God. Again, a natural response to praise God and have favor with all people. And this word favor with all people, I just want to knock on that door for a second. It means this. It's just like our testimonies here. Basically what's going on is that God's spirit is moving to the point where they are just overflowing their hearts are overflowing with God's grace. The way they're talking, the way they're acting, the way they're behaving, and what's happening as they're blessing each other. The testimony of what God's doing in their heart, the same word here is, is grace, is they're gracing each other, having grace on one another. And so it's like when we hear testimony here, we hear Sabrina's testimony and we're like, oh, I, that really, that encourages me, that blesses me, that's super powerful. We hear you know, Martha telling about these transformations. It's like, I want to get off crack too, you know? <laughs> Well, I a sabbatical. But anyway, you know, it's just like, but we hear these testimonies. We hear these testimonies, these powerful testimonies. And we're like, that, you leave, and that's what you talk about when you go home, are these powerful stories of God transforming life. That's what's happening in the early church. God's transforming life. These people are having these deep expressions and experiences of God's love in their life and they're blessing one another. But it says favor with all people. And so not only are they, as a church, are they blessing each other, it's going beyond the church to the point where thousands are coming to faith every day. God's adding to their number because of the testimony of what God's doing in their heart. That's the mark of a disciple. Anybody can teach. 
Anybody can preach. Anybody can meet together. Anybody can go break bread. Those are the things that we do, but they serve the purpose of experiencing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. One serves the other, not the other way around, which is how we normally kind of teach it. Come to River City Church. We're going to teach the word. We're going to do this. And those things are good. And we're going to do those things. But if the other things don't happen, if we don't have glad and generous hearts, then we're failing. If we aren't sharing our resources with one another and giving generously, or we're failing. If we aren't in awe of God's power, his love, and his beauty, and his glory, we're failing. We aren't making disciples then. This is what a disciple looks like. Those are the adjectives that we need to look for in ourselves and in other people. When we ask the question, am I a disciple of Jesus? Do I want to be on this journey? Who wouldn't, I mean, who wouldn't want to be on that journey? Who wouldn't want to have a glad and generous heart? Who wouldn't want to be in awe of God and his power, his glory and his beauty and his love for me? Who wouldn't want to be experiencing God in a way that everyone around me is transformed, believer and non-believer? That's so exciting. I want that. Jesus says, well, the way, one of the ways that you will experience that development is only by being in relationship with other believers. And then, and again, I'm creating, it sounds like I'm creating a hierarchy, but it's really not. Because it all goes back to experiencing a relationship with God. We're always called to be in relationship with each other, and we're always called to be in the world. So, but it's not until we experience these two levels that we're really in a place to then really love the world the way that Jesus loved the world. Because Jesus tells us, it's like wolves being sent out among sheep. It's difficult. Jesus tells us, when the world persecutes you and you suffer for my name's sake, count it a blessing. Jesus tells me the tribulations, you know, you're going to experience tribulation in this world, but I've overcome the world. There are special prayers that Jesus has for his believers that are being sent into the world that are very intentional on his part of protection and him watching over us and him being with us to the end of the age because he knows that it's the most difficult thing that he'll ask us to do. He knows it will cost us the most. He knows it will require the most sacrifice and that we will suffer the most. And so I only mention it third here because of that reason. But it's something that we're all called to do and to be. But again, at the root, at the heart of this, is not the world. It's you. It's, he, want, he wants you to have a deeper relationship with him. And he, he knows the only way that you will learn to trust him and love him, die to yourself, pick up your cross and follow him every day is if you go into the world. And he will use that. And he does use that. In the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we read this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, Jesus, the promise that he has for us, the last thing that he said to the disciples in Matthew was, I'll be with you. I love you. At the heart of Jesus sending us into the world and the command he has given us to make disciples and to be a disciple is a deeper relationship with him.
And again, over the next few weeks or the fall, the next few months, I'm going to unpack each of these different ways that God will use intimacy with him to make us a disciple, how he'll use our relationships with other believers to make us a disciple, and how he'll use sending us into the world to make us a disciple. Let's go back to the classroom analogy to give us a better picture of what that might look like. You know, instead of seeing Jesus like the teacher teaching faceless students, of which you're one, with the end goal, passing the class or passing the test or getting the answers right or getting the right grade, imagine Jesus as your tutor who found you, who sought you out, who wooed you like a lover and said, come, follow me. I've come to give you life to the full. And you begin this journey with Jesus where instead of being in a classroom, you're in life. And he says, I've got great experiences for you. Come and watch how I do these things. Come and listen to what I have to say to you. Come and trust me in these new ways. And and if you fail, you fall, which you will. I'll pick you up and we'll keep moving forward. And we begin to see failure as part of the journey that's not only going to happen, it's necessary. Because in failure, we learn to trust God in a new and different way. We begin to experience grace in a new and different way. And he takes us into situations that are new and exciting and adventurous. And we say yes. And he carries us and he helps us through those things. And then we get to crevices and cracks and things that are just too great for us. And he carries us. And we look behind us and there are only one set of footprints in this. (laughs) Footprints? Anyway. Discipleship is Jesus asking each of us the question today. Do you want more life? Do you want a deeper relationship with me? Will you trust me? I've come to give you life to the full. Do you want it? Do you want life to the full? Do you want what I have for you? That's where we're heading this fall. This morning, why don't we stand? I think God meets us in, in all of those three areas, you know. There's, there's some of us where we are engaged in small groups with people in the church and they are driving us crazy and we need to experience God's love and we need to be reminded like, oh, that's right, I need to be here. And there's other of us, they're in the world and we're died, we're burnt out and we need to come back to experiencing intimacy with the Father or intimacy with Jesus being driven out of that. And there's some of us who are in the world in small groups and we don't know Jesus. And we're doing it because we feel like, well, that's what Christians do. And we've lost our first love. And I think on any given Sunday at River State Church, he wants to meet us right where we are. And I don't know where you are. I don't know how you feel right now. And I know that there are some people here who when I ask the question, do you want what Jesus has for you? Do you want more life? Your response is no, because I've been suffering. and he, I don't feel like he's present. Or... I don't know what that means. I just don't know what you mean by that. But wherever you are this morning, you know, the invitation is the same for us all. Do you want to experience more life? And do you believe that Jesus is the source for that? And so in ministry today, we're just going to call, we're going to come forward, we're going to ask Jesus to, to meet us where we are, each of us. And only you know, but I would encourage you to be honest with Jesus this morning. I mean, we don't come to just pretend 
This is real. Like we need this. We need this to be real. This is real. Do we trust that God has something for me? And if you're angry with him, tell him. If you're frustrated with where you are, tell him. If you feel like you've been suffering for no reason, tell him. If you want to experience more of his love, ask him. Just ask him. He wants to give you more life today. So why don't we come forward now for ministry? If anybody uh, is on the prayer ministry team for River City Church, we'd love for you to come forward as well and pray and see what God has for us. And uh, the band will come back up here and we're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to our hearts. Minister to us where we are.